1: I'm older and I'm wise Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this? Amateur hour? This art? is gonna be huge. I believe this is gonna be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. <laughs> put the work away and let's watch the skies the snow is coming it's not supposed to really start though until the middle of the night continue through the day tomorrow possibly up to eight inches in total We had a chance to visit with Liz Braden, 21 Alive Meteorologist, earlier in the show and said this isn't like one of those major storms, but a somewhat moderate type of heavy snowfall uh, that uh, might be a disruption to your day, but it shouldn't be horrible. Because a lot of the factors, when I look at these snowstorms, some of the factors you watch for, is it going to get super cold after the snow? Because then that dries out the snow, makes it blow a lot more especially if you have wind. Is it going to get super cold after the snow passes through? Well, it's not. Temperatures are supposed to stay right around the freezing mark throughout the time the snow comes down, which means you hopefully can get the streets cleared because on the streets it will often get slushy and and that rather than getting um, that snow that just continually blows over the road and drifts certain side roads shut. So hopefully, even though it will be somewhat windy tomorrow, uh, it won't be... The worst thing that we've had happen because we we do, you know, it is going to snow. It's winter in Indiana uh, and we haven't had a whole lot of it. Do you know that this snow that we've got on the ground right now is the first snow I've seen this winter since back in like mid-November when we had that early snow? Because the snow that all fell right around Christmas, I wasn't here for. I was in Florida freezing my tail off in 40-some degree weather. But I didn't see snow.
2: Yeah, it could. Yeah. But I didn't you, see sub-zero temperatures. Yeah, you missed out. You really missed out there. Yeah, bro. but it was cold for
1: Florida. Yeah, I think you were all right. I, I was okay. I was, <laughs> I was better than I would have been, but it wasn't what I was hoping for. I was hoping to yeah. go down there and catch some rays, maybe some time at the beach or no. by the pool. No. No, no not at 46 degrees. Uh, 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. We did get... Uh, a Bengals 49ers pick that came in on the text line.
2: We sure did. Someone going with the... Uh,
1: kind of what I'm leaning right. right now. Bengals 49ers. But it's it's just... My reservation is do I do truly believe that two road teams are going to get victories against number one seeds?
2: Yeah, Philadelphia at night. This could be a rowdy uh, stadium to get in away Philadelphia
1: winning. the second game or the first game? I thought Philadelphia was the first game. No? No. Um, oh, I'm sorry. You're No, you're right. You're right. That's on me. So it's late afternoon. Late afternoon. Late in afternoon Philly. in Philly. It's nighttime in Arrowhead Stadium. Yes, it is. Or, which means it might be colder, which could make it even tougher on Patrick Mahomes and that ankle. 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. By the way, we still got Jesse Bates playing. Yeah. Of course, uh, Jalen Smith eliminated last week mm-hmm. with the Giants. But uh, we still have some 260 representation. Of course, Ben Skaronik got his Super Bowl with the Rams. Uh, so yeah, let's let's hope that uh, that Jesse collects the the uh, hardware.
2: Yeah, definitely. I went to school with him. Did you really? Yep. He was either a grade above or below me. I don't remember which. But uh, yeah, same school. If, if I
1: asked him, I said, "Do you remember Adam?" Lent? Oh gosh, no. Yeah, he would never know. No,
2: I, n- I never spoke to him. We just went to school together. We just
1: know that, yeah, he yeah. was in school, the same building that you were in. 46862, if you've got anything to add. Also, right now is the time to call. It's time to play Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. 447-8500. Four, four, That's 447-8500 four, four, zero, zero, with the 260 area code. 447 8500. You get to take me on in some Tuesday time capsule trivia. And just for calling in, we'll get you a large pizza to Pizza Hut. We've got a pizza card that we will send your way. So give us a call right now at 447 8500. And you can be our contestant today on Tuesday time capsule trivia. Still coming up, Kevin Bowen will be joining the show coming up about eight or nine minutes from now. So we do have a contestant ready to play some Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Let's get to the phone line. Who's this? This is Bill. Hey, Bill. How are you? Doing well. How about yourself? Y'all loaded up with uh, the, let's see, the milk, the bread, and the eggs ready for this uh, snowstorm? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Always ready. Uh, Oh, sure. All right, Bill. Do you know how the game is played? I do. Okay, so we'll give you a shot at it here and see if uh, you can end my losing streak. I'm counting on you. Uh, Let's give it a shot. (laughs) Let's go, Adam. It's time for Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia on the Sports Rush.
2: All right, let's start off with clue number one. In this year, Port Adelaide, the Power, joins the Australian Football League.
1: You said that with such enthusiasm because you almost know there's no chance that Bill or I will get this. But Bill does have the option of whether he goes first or he passes to me.
0: I'll give it a shot. How about 1980? Um,
1: Australian football.
2: Port Adelaide.
1: Yeah, I'll say uh, 1989. All right, let's go on to clue number two. In the
2: WNBA finals of their inaugural season, the Houston Comets defeat the New York Liberty in a one-game playoff series.
1: I go first. Round two, I get the first pick. I will say 1995. How about 2000? All right.
2: The Grand National Saturday horse race meeting was abandoned after two coded bomb threats were received causing evacuation of the racecourse. The racecourse was the race was eventually run the following Monday. What race was it? The Grand National. This is the year they received two coded bomb threats.
1: I have no idea. Bill, it is your turn first. All right, let's try 1990. <laughs> Maybe I should have put that clue a little
2: higher up. A little closer to five. A little tough.
1: A little tough. tough. Um, Okay, I will say um, 1998. All right, let's
2: go on to clue number four. This one's a little easier here. Tiger Woods creates an uproar with his record 12-shot victory at the Masters and becomes the first Masters winner of
1: African-American descent my turn first i do believe so i'll go with 1997 thank you very there much there you go brett thank you very much that was tiger's first masters championship bill did you know that one i uh, i was gonna go 99 but I guess 97 was correct. yeah thing. i uh i had a pretty good idea when tiger won his first masters so uh bill you don't go away empty-handed we've got a large pizza two pizza Huts. stay on the line adam will just get some quick information we can send that card off to you thanks for calling in and playing thanks that is bill our contestant today on tuesday time capsule trivia one more clue what was the last clue
2: Yep, let me get it here for you. It was the Chicago Bulls earned their second repeat of the decade as they beat the Utah Jazz four games to two in the NBA
1: Finals. Oh, man, you made it easy by the time.
2: That's the plan. You got to get to the easy questions by number five.
1: Yeah, we had it pretty well narrowed down. And, And, you know, the first three were throwaways. They were a little they difficult. They didn't really narrow us down all that much. You're, are you telling me you're not a horse racing expert, no, Brett? No, you were throwing some clues out there that I did not have an idea at all. <laughs> but uh, it, but I did get it on the fourth clue, and hopefully that kept Ted, our buddy Ted, from texting Bill. the show, telling oh, Ted, us, yeah. telling us uh, to cut the game because you, you're you <laughs> stupid and you can't pick the year right. Uh, our troll. Yeah, so... Anyway, we'll play some Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia next week. Give you a chance to win, again, a large pizza, two Pizza Hut up for grabs every time we play Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Pacers in action tonight on their home court. Man, it has been rough without Tyrese Halliburton. Pacers have lost seven in a row. They try to right the ship against a team that's trying to leap them in the standings and the Pacers trying to hold on to at least a play-in spot and buy time to get Halliburton back Uh, We've got that trade deadline coming up. I don't know if this losing streak is going to make it more likely that the Pacers will make some moves. But uh, at home tonight, Pacers hosting the Chicago Bulls. And if I'm not mistaken, we do have the tip for you coming up right after the Mastodon's coaches show. So we'll have play-by-play of the Pacers Bulls on the radio tonight here at 1380, the fan 100.9 FM. Coming up next, Kevin Bowen, 93.5, 107.5, the fan down in Indianapolis. He will join us to talk about the latest with the Colts' head coaching search. You're listening to the Sports Rush on 1380, the fan, and 100.9 FM. And welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports picks. Four to six, I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. And coming up at the top of the hour, we've got the Mastodon's Coaches Show, presented by Diamond Residential Mortgage. We will be live at the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, right across the Memorial Coliseum, 6 to 7 o'clock tonight, and it is a packed show. Men's basketball coach John Kaufman, we're going to have a men's basketball player. We will have two of the women's basketball players, uh, Shay Sellers and Solaire Starks. We'll also have Rock Perot, men's volleyball coach. That, my friends, is a full show, and we will deliver it to you from 6 to 7 o'clock tonight. I'll be there, and so will everyone else, and hopefully you too, as you can join us live and in person at the Mastodon Grill just inside the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, for the Mastodon's Coaches Show, airing live right here, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Time to talk some, well, a little bit of everything. You know, we're not going to just focus exclusively on the Colts, although I have an interest in what this gentleman has to say about what's going on down at uh, the complex on West 56th Street I believe it is Kevin Bowen from 9351075 the fan uh gosh darn it I I'm, I feel like I'm somewhat geologically is it geologically Ge- geographically challenged yeah <laughs>
0: 56 was right 56 go okay. with your gut trust your gut there yeah,
1: yeah I, uh, <laughs> I i i said that with very little confidence but let's talk about the process because they've interviewed everybody who has been employed uh, by an nfl team <laughs> now uh it i don't even know what the count is i've lost count is it 12 13 where are they at right now as far as uh, interviews for the head coaching spot
0: yeah, that's a great question. I think it's 13 or 14. I honestly should should know. Um, and then they're hoping for D'Amico Ryan, to believe the 49ers defensive coordinator who canceled over the weekend. Uh, you know, Brett, I know full well a lot of Colts fans, um, you know, have kind of poked fun at this. And, you know, they've interviewed again. Everybody, like you said, under the sun. I've got no issue with it whatsoever. You know, if you think back to 2018, Chris Ballard interviewed five candidates, very small number, and hired Josh McDaniel. And he made it very clear to us a few weeks back that one thing he learned from that coaching process was don't walk in with the end in sight. Don't walk in there and already have your mind made up. And he felt like he did with Josh McDaniel. So he promised himself that he would be more patient, um, open-minded, all of those things. And clearly they've done that. And yes, 13, 14, that's a high number, but you know, when... Philly so hired Nick Sirianni. They had double-digit candidates. When Chicago hired Matt Eberflus last year, they had double-digit candidates. I think some of the teams right now are are approaching that number. And none of these jobs are, you know, closed yet. You, you entered the the offseason with five openings. And until that domino falls, the first one, I don't think there's a massive sense of urgency. Now, when that domino does fall, then I think that's where you start to get some agent, you know, kind of driven stuff of, hey, this team really likes my candidate. You going to make a move on, you know, him? think we saw well, i think we 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 see that in some coaching cycle so i got no issue with it gather intel um, even if you don't hire the guy uh you're learning something about him you're learning something about the people he likes the people he doesn't like maybe you're building a future coaching staff uh, i got no issue with a longer process
1: um one name sean payton does it seem like it's denver or bust at this point are there still other teams in on sean payton especially with the price tag that the saints are setting
0: yeah, I, I you know, when you look at Peyton, four of the five teams he has talked to, obviously Indianapolis being the one that he hasn't. And, and I, I guess I'm curious, Brett, first, you know, why is that? Is it because of Sean Payton's words? Every time Sean Payton spoke late in the season about what he would be looking for in his next head coaching gig, he made it very clear that a stable front office and a stable ownership group is what he would want. Um, and that's definitely wasn't the case for the Colts uh, over the last year. Uh, And then on the flip side, if you're the Colts, I mean, Sean Payton really worth a first round pick when you have this massive need at quarterback or whatever that, um, you know, trade package is that New Orleans is looking for. Because again, he is under contract with the Saints for two more years. So on the Payton front, I can see both sides of it. Why maybe there hasn't been mutual interest with Indianapolis. You know, if you want to throw Jim Harbaugh's name in there, you know, was that more of a Chris Ballard awkward presence of, you know, him still being here and how much control would he have? Those sorts of things um, are kind of on my mind. I think Sean Payton's a really good coach, but I don't think the Colts are in a position where they can give up some major draft pick for him.
1: Exactly. Uh, Let's talk about who are some of the top prospects. With all these names, there's got to be a handful of people that seem to be favorites. I have trouble picking them out. Now, I know Vegas has found some numbers that they've put on some people, and I saw you post this on Twitter, and I found it fascinating Uh, On the names that they picked out, because one is a guy who's interviewed with every team in the NFL and still hasn't gotten a head coaching job, Eric the enemy, which I I joke. But he does seem like he's been his name has been surfacing for every opening that's existed over the last three years. Uh, And D'Amico Ryans is one of the guys on the list. And he canceled the the interview. So if it's going to be Ryan's, it's going to be what another week or two before they can talk to him. I'm not sure exactly what the schedule is for the teams that have advanced at this point and that may advance further. So, what do you think about what you saw with uh, with the odds from uh, Bet Online uh, that were out there on some of the top candidates?
0: Yeah, I was a bit surprised by it, to be honest with you. I mean, there are certainly points where. Uh, Vegas knows all, and boy, has my pocket felt that at various points. But in this case, I don't look at that list and think it's like totally accurate um, for many of the reasons that you laid out there. Um, on the D'Anico Ryan's front, just to kind of clarify when he can talk, uh, the next time he will be able to meet with any team will be Monday, the day after the conference championship game. And that is for any of these candidates that are in the conference championship weekend. And if you look at these four teams, the Colts have, D'Amico Ryan's interest, and then the other three teams, they are the offense coordinator of each of them, uh, all three of them have already interviewed once with the Colts. Uh, but again, Monday is the next time they can meet with Brian Callahan, Cincinnati, Shane Steichen, in Philadelphia, Eric B. enemy, Kansas City. No matter who wins Sunday, obviously the loser, the season's over. You can meet with them at any point. The winner, during that off week next week, in between the conference championship and the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl week is kind of how I think we've thought of it in the past. That is the time where you can meet with any of these coaching candidates in person, including the ones playing in the Super Bowl. You can do that all the way up until February 5th. Um, so I think that's the Saturday um, or the or the Sunday before the Super Bowl, which is on February 12th. Um, so what what I think things to look for, I guess, in the next you know, few days, Brett. We have seen some names flirt, floated around with second interviews. Dan Quinn with Arizona. Um, I think the Texans. Giro Vero, the defensive coordinator with the Broncos. Mike Kafka, the OC with the Giants. But now that we're starting to get some second interviews, I think that's where the agent stuff gets a little bit messy. You know, do you see a Dan Quinn, a popular candidate in several spots? And does his agent say, hey, you know, he's met here twice. They really like him. They might offer him the job. And does that lead to some other teams? started, you know, try and kind of jump ahead to get their chance in line. So again, you can talk with any of these coaches that are done with the playoffs this week. Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, those sorts of guys. If you still want to meet with the ones that are in the playoffs, that's where you got to be a little bit more patient and wait all the way until Monday. So I think those are just some things to keep in mind. Knowing Ballard, I I, I still think you'd want to be patient. Um I think Jim Ursay has yet to get truly involved in this process. You would think that would be kind of the second interviews. um, And I would expect that for the Colts to pick up a little bit more. Maybe there will be a couple this week, but probably more next week.
1: By the way, those odds, Jeff Saturday at plus 150. Eric Biennemi is the second favorite at plus 375. Then you got D'Amico Ryan's plus 650. Dan Quinn is at plus 750. Um... Here's the thing that surprises me, and I guess I want to try to get an idea if this surprises you as much as it does me, that there's not more of an emphasis on an offensive coach given that the Colts are likely drafting a quarterback. Does it surprise you that there's not more of an emphasis on going to an offensive coach, whether he's an OC or has a background as an OC, uh, given that the Colts are going to be drafting likely a quarterback in this year's draft?
0: Yeah, totally valid point. I mean, just look at the teams that are left in the playoffs, Brett. For the second year in a row, the final four, all four coaches left are offensive-minded head coaches. Um, if you look at the final eight, uh, seven of the eight teams, Sean McDermott, Buffalo, the only one with a defensive background. And if you go back to last year, it was Sean McDermott and Mike Rabel as the only two in the final eight. So the trend has definitely shifted. And obviously look at the final four quarterbacks left this year, all drafted by the teams yep that they're playing for so you know a lot of those boxes do check um and i think if you look at the candidates i want to say again 13 of them i think it's six on defense if you slot saturday into offense that would be five on that side of the ball and then two special teams coordinators that they've interviewed um, so you know based off just their candidates it has kind of been a wide pool I do think there are plenty of reasons to go the offensive route. I'm not 1,000% buried to it, but if you hire the defensive coach, you better be damn sure that that guy has an offensive plan in place and, honestly, has a plan in place for when that coordinator might leave. I think that is, honestly, a big kind of backup plan that you might be looking too far down the future, but it's critical. And that I think it was kind of the biggest knock on Chicago hiring a Matt Eberflus. You know, Luke Getzey as their offensive coordinator. If Justin Fields comes out... And has a great you know season this coming year. There's a very good chance that Luke Getzey is probably going to be a sought-after head coaching candidate. Well, then Matt Eberflus has got to come back to the drawing board and say, all right, who do we hire to maintain the offensive success with um, Justin Fields and the current offensive system that we have? So, um, you know, when you look at a guy like Dan Quinn, former offensive or former head coach in Atlanta, really good success early in his Falcons' tenure. Made the Super Bowl second season. Made the playoffs the year after that. And then Brett, he went 14 and 23 his final three years. That correlates with Kyle Shanahan leaving the Atlanta offensive coordinator position mm-hmm. and going to San Francisco for the head coaching job. Again, that's the question you have for defensive coaches: Raheem Morris, uh, you know, D'Amico Ryan's. They both come from Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, you know, type trees. Both of them, you know, under those two guys. In San Francisco and L.A. respectively. So you can look at it one of two ways. You you, you can look at it, obviously, and say, hey, they've been of great offensive minds. Hopefully they can find a guy maybe on those respective coaching staff to to come and run the show here in Indianapolis. But, of course, the question then becomes um, what happens when you do have success on that side of the ball. It's a great problem to have, but I think especially with a rookie young quarterback, you really have to keep that in mind. Like. The last thing that I'll, that I'll mention on this point, Peyton Manning probably turns into Peyton Manning anywhere, Brett, but I think an underrated part of Peyton Manning's success is Tom Mora never left Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. You had the same offensive coach, the same sort of system in place, and yes, it, it really turned into kind of Peyton system for a long, long time, but for a guy to have the amount of success that Peyton Manning had, and Tom Mora was his OC from the day one all the way up until what, 2000? I think it was pretty much. The end of Peyton's tenure here, uh, that is exactly what you would want from a continuity standpoint.
1: What's the status of Gus Bradley? It's a good,
0: it's a good question. I've gotten a few people that have reached out and been like, hey, why isn't he interviewed? Uh, A question I would have is, does Gus Bradley want to be a head coach? I think that's fair. Um, the second part of that, you know, was he turned off at all about the interim process and wasn't appreciative of being passed over? Again, these are just questions that I'm throwing out. I'm not necessarily, you know, reporting any of this stuff or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, we have not seen his name mentioned here. We've not seen his name mentioned anywhere. Now, he has connections to several of the coaches that have been interviewed. Raheem Morris is one that he has, some direct connections to. Rich Basantia, the special teams coordinator uh, from the Raiders two years ago, the Packers last year. He's got direct connections there. Um, and if you go offensive head coach, of course, you know, what would the defensive staff look like? Uh, I'm curious to see what they'll do with Bradley, And what he wants to do, because, you know, if he's not here, that'll be the third different defensive coordinator in three years.
1: All the focus that's being put right now on hiring a head coach. And Chris Ballard said at the press conference, this could take until mid-February, and it's starting to look like it just might. How much does that set back the scouting department in trying to decide what to do with that number four pick?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I do think there's a good amount of collaboration that needs to go in. First off, I think you need to collaborate on your own free agents and, and you know, who fits our system. You know, Yannick Ngakwe, for example, the free agent, Brett, he's a really unique player. Um, he doesn't really have the out on rundowns. Not the biggest dude in the world. So does he fit every defensive system? Does he fit you at the price dollar that he would maybe fit other defensive systems? I think that is something to keep in mind as well. Uh, you know, largely that call is going to be Chris Ballard and Jim Ursay's. And, sure, there's quarterback discussion with without a doubt about, you know, what do you like, what are the traits that you want, those sorts of things. It, it will be a collaborative effort, but, you know, Ballard and uh, Ursae are certainly going to have kind of final say on that. So I do think it's being discussed. It's a part of it. But at the end of the day, that scouting process, and really those discussions will pick up a little bit more. Once you have a head coach in Houston – Once you have a head coach in Arizona, and once you have a head coach in Indy, and those are the teams right now sitting two, three, and four right behind Chicago at number one.
1: Are the Pacers trying to validate Tyrese Halliburton as an all star? Because they're doing a pretty damn good job of it right now.
0: (laughs) Hey, true all star. How about MVP? (laughs) Yeah, maybe that too. Yeah. When you, yeah, MVP is always a funny debate to me, Brett. When you define the acronym most valuable player, most valuable player to his team. Oh, my gosh. I mean, look at how the Pacers have played. And honestly, I found it interesting. Look at some of the teams they've played recently. They've kind of gone load management against Indiana. You know, the Bucks, no Giannis, no Chris Middleton, and I think they scored, like, their second-most points of the season against Indiana. Then you play Denver on Friday night. No Nikola Jokic. Denver goes off for a season high in points. Saturday, you play a Phoenix team that sat, you know, three or four of their front-line guys, and they beat you. So... To me, it's a reminder of two things, a seven-game losing streak. One, Tyrese Halliburton is an incredibly valuable player and means a whole lot to the Pacers. I mean, hell, his stats would indicate that, 20 and 10 pretty much every night. Two, you still need to add a major piece. And, And let me make that clear, major piece. Because, again, when Milwaukee's missing a Giannis or Middleton, they can still score 130. When Denver doesn't have Jokic, they can still have a season high. When Phoenix, and I know they've had a struggling year, but when they're down all those guys, they still pull out a, a win. Indiana, when your Buddy Heald and Miles Turner get bumped up on the scouting report, they get exposed a little bit. So I think that is something for Kevin Pritchard and company to keep in mind. Of It's been a really good year, a lot of strong you know development pieces, certainly, but you still need one more major piece.
1: Did the Hachimura deal to L.A., did that uh, basically cut any potential Miles Turner to L.A. talk?
0: I I would assume. I know the draft picks, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was three-second rounders. Yeah. So, you know, those maybe weren't exactly the the picks in play um, for what's been rumored for Turner and or Buddy Heald. You know, Brad, I... Two weeks from Thursday, the NBA trade deadline, this is kind of where I I sit on things. I I think you retain Buddy Heald. I think shooting is a skill set that doesn't age as much as others. Buddy Heald's been incredibly durable throughout his career. I think it alleviates some of the stress off Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin. Halliburton and Heald appear to be very close as well, on and off the floor. So for you know all of those reasons, I think I keep Heald. He, He also is not a free agent. He's still under contract for another year. With Turner, man, He's very important to you. He protects the rim at a really high level. Obviously, he stretches the floor at the other end. But I kind of look at centers like I view running backs in the NFL. They're just a bit of a luxury item. And in this market, I don't think you can pay a center $25 million a year and think that you're going to reach kind of your, your peak ceiling. I mean, if you look at, and again, I think the goal for the Pacers should be to get back to that Paul George era and strive to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference making playoff runs, annually, deep playoff runs. You know, the Oladipo era, there was kind of a defined ceiling, I thought, in that 4-5 seed range. The Paul George era, you were in that 1-2 seed range. And to do that, I just don't think you can give Turner the amount of money that he wants. Uh, certainly, if he doesn't sign an extension by Thursday, February 9th, then you definitely move him because it's your last chance to really get anything on him from a return standpoint because he'll be a free agent this summer. Again, Turner has been very good for you, uh, playing his role. You don't have young, big guys that I think you, you completely trust. I just think it's easier to find a rim-protecting center, not the level of Turner maybe, but somewhat, than it is to find a great wing or a stretch. Full. I think those guys impact the game at a little bit more of a higher level. There was that stat thrown around last year in the playoffs of the final four teams that you had last year in the postseason. I think only one played a guy over 6'9 for longer than 30 minutes a game. It, huh. it, it's just kind of how the NBA game has evolved. Again, Turner still helps you out. And when he's off the floor defensively, you are exposed a bit. Uh, but I just think that position is a little bit easier to find than some others.
1: What's your confidence meter on the Indiana Hoosiers going to Minnesota and not blowing it?
0: <laughs> Boy, that's a, that's a drop off <laughs> right there. I mean, Minnesota stinks. I get it's the barn on a Wednesday night at 9 p.m. If I'm not mistaken, I think their leading score, Dawson Garcia, is a little bit banged up as well. I think in their last three games, I mean, hell, Purdue held them to 39. I think they were 50-something in another, 60 in the other. Uh, I would hope IU could take care of business. I, I, I think Mike Woodson and just that whole bunch, Trish Jackson Davis, et cetera, deserve so much credit for what they've done these last three games. I mean, not only do you win three conference games, you win three conference games by double digits, and you beat Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Illinois, three teams I think we all expect to be in the tournament. It's like you beat, you know, whoever, uh, Northwestern and Penn State, and I, have, I don't even know, Minnesota, I guess, Minnesota, yeah. Big Ten right now. So, um, job well done. The season was teetering a bit. And you look at the group behind Purdue right now, I think it's nine teams with three or four losses in the Big Ten. It's a jumbled group. No one is ranked. Purdue's only one ranked. So someone's got to emerge from that bunch, uh, and that was huge for Indiana. And, and honestly, Trace Jackson-Davis, him sitting out those games in late December, um, I know he was, you know, in some pain against Iowa. But I just think him sitting out in those, you know, bye games, if you will, against Kennesaw State and um, I think it was Elon. I think that was critical for him, you know, saving his back and playing as well as he's played so far.
1: Appreciate you as always, KB. Uh, Have a great week. We'll talk to you again. All right. Sounds good. Have a great week, guys. Kevin Bowen, 193.5, 107.5, the fan down in Indianapolis. Uh, And uh, always great to have on the show. We'll take a break. You're listening to The Sports Rush on 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM. Back on The Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6, Brett Rump with Adam Lundy. And uh, I heard this this morning listening to Caleb McKinney. And of course, you should always listen to Caleb McKinney. Wake up with them 7 to 9 every morning, right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM, because you get in depth topics like this one Who replaces Mike Bray? And there's a name, I guess, that's been rumored to surface Chris Holtman from Ohio State. Now, Ohio State's having a little bit of a down year, but they've got good freshmen. I'd be shocked that Ohio State would be in any kind of position to move on from Chris Holtman. I can't imagine Chris Holtman is going to jump ship from Ohio State. I kind of see that as some Notre Dame blogger throwing the name out there, hoping that someone spreads it and he gets a few clicks out of it because I just don't see anything behind Chris Holtman being a coach at Notre Dame. And I don't see it as a better job. So it's the only way it happened. Is if Ohio State decides to push him to the curb, and who are they going to get that's better? Well, I've got someone for Notre Dame. It's a no-brainer. Uh, this is where you you play the owl. <laughs> this yeah, I don't know. Do we have the owl even available?
2: Uh, not on, not on. I I can get him. It'll just take him okay, I, I got to well, get him out of the out of gotta, the cage. <laughs> he's in, he's in the cage. Got to get the owl
1: because because the the coach that they should go after. Without question, is going to be Dusty May, the coach of the FAU Owls. There it is. That's who. That's who, Dusty May. Okay, I (laughs) looked him up as far as his resume. He's got five years at FAU, perfect experience to be prepared to take on a bigger program. It's not like he's, you know, a one hit wonder and he jumped into Florida Atlantic and all of a sudden they have this big year because they picked up a couple of transfers that's not the case in fact he took over at fau five years ago and immediately turned it into a winning program his first year at fau they were 17 and 16 year number two 17 and 15 which means same number of wins (laughs) but the percentage went up yeah year number three they were 13 and 10 year number four they were 19 and 15 on the verge of getting a 20 win season this year, they are 19 and one. The significance of 19 and one, there's only one team in college basketball with a better record than 19 and one. And it's not Purdue. Purdue is 19 and one. It is, I don't know, College of Charleston. 21 and one right now. Wow. So they've got basically the second best record in all of college basketball um i mean that's i mean he's young enough that he could be there with a long term notre dame went to a younger coach after muffet mcgraw i mean to me mike bray what is his legacy is he kind of the brian kelly of notre dame basketball the guy that won a lot but never won the big one i mean Obviously, Notre Dame basketball doesn't have the same expectations of Notre Dame football. Uh, And when you play the number of games in a conference like they play in the ACC, uh, you're going to pick up some losses along the way. So it's not like you're going to have, you know, 27 and four seasons every year. But um, he's had a very good run. I mean, he's been a heck of a basketball coach. But over the last three to four years, we've started to see this decline And it doesn't seem like the bleeding is going to stop. And so Mike Bray is stepping aside. I think it's kind of a mutual agreement that he make room for a new coach to come in and everything trying to be handled with professionalism and grace and give him an opportunity to kind of save face, save his reputation with Notre Dame and and also make it look like he's doing this for Notre Dame so that he'll always be welcome back. But Dusty May, that is the name. I will just go ahead and say Jack Swarbrick right now. Call May. Well, you probably can't get a hold of him now midseason. But as soon as that season ends, that's the guy for Notre Dame. Uh, Speaking of college basketball, did you catch the game last night between Ohio State and Iowa? And I'm not talking about men's basketball. I'm talking about women's basketball. No, I didn't. I don't watch a lot of women's basketball. Occasionally, I'll catch a game like last night, watch a little bit of the Indiana women's game. But, man, was this a fun game to watch. Uh, Caitlin Clark is unbelievable. She hit shots from easily 30 feet, 32 feet, just one dribble over the timeline and launched it. Wow. Steph Curry-esque type shots. Yeah, she was terrific. Uh she ended up with like twenty six points, which you have like fifteen assists and eleven rebounds or something. Her numbers were ridiculous. And Iowa gave Ohio State their first loss of the season. The number two Buckeyes knocked down a notch from the top perch in the Big Ten. Now there's a tie for first place. The Indiana Hoosiers are part of that tie because they got a win at Michigan last night. So yeah, it was actually a lot of drama in women's basketball last night.
2: Oh, man. It sounds like I missed out. I was just watching um, NBA.
1: Oh, of course. Were the Knicks playing? No, the Knicks weren't even playing, were they?
2: No, I was just watching. Just watching NBA? Yeah, because
1: you watch have, NBA.
2: Because I have League Pass. It's the one streaming so service gotta, I've paid
1: for. So okay. I've got to get my money well, worth. Well, this game was on ESPN, too. It wasn't like a secondary channel. It. I don't have cable. So I don't, oh, you I don't? don't no. Okay, so you don't have ESPN 2? No. Uh, that's where I watched it last night. Uh, we got to take a break because we're going to have to step aside. Coming up at the top of the hour, you know what we've got. The Mastodon's Coaches Show, a full lineup of guests with Coach Kaufman, men's basketball players, women's basketball players, Rock Perrot, the men's volleyball coach. And they're off to a great start this season. But we've got it all at the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, right across the street from the Coliseum. We hope you stop by and see us in person but uh, if not, we've got the broadcast starting at 6 o'clock right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. And we'll wrap up the Sports Rush coming up next. This is the Sports Rush Tuesday edition. Got to figure out what day it is. It's one of those days. I, yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, snow coming in. Snow-mageddon. Ooh. Oh. So uh, we'll take a break. It's 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Back final time on the sports rush. That just about does it for us. Time to head across town. I got to get to the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne. Because it's just about time for the Mastodon's Coaches Show, presented by Diamond Residential Mortgage. We've got men's basketball coach John Kaufman. We'll have a men's basketball player. We've got Shay Sellers and uh, Solaire Starks from the women's basketball program. We will also have a visit with men's volleyball coach Rock Perrot. That's all coming up live from the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne. In just, uh, four minutes or so. So stick right here and you can listen to it. Or if you've got a chance to stop by, join us, the holiday in Purdue Fort Wayne, right across from the Coliseum. Well, uh, big thanks to our guests that appeared on the show today. Uh, really thankful that Liz Braden, 21 Alive meteorologist, took some time to explain what's going on with this snowstorm and maybe, uh, put to rest a little bit of the, (laughs) the fear or the panic because it sounds to me like it will be some heavy snow that will accumulate some significant amounts but not the double digit type of snowfall so you know that five six maybe seven inches of snow but it will come down wet it will come down heavy and it should be something that uh that the street department hopefully can keep up with and uh, and keep things from piling up, at least on the roadways. So uh, really, really appreciate Liz Braden. Also, big thanks to Kevin Bowen from ninety three five one zero seven five The Fan down in Indianapolis for weighing in on the Colts head coaching search. I'm out, we'll be back tomorrow, a hump day edition of the Sports Rush, so be here then, four to six. For Adam Lundy, I am Brett Rump, and this is 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.